Hello, I'm Tom Moan, and today I'm beginning an old and yet continuing adventure. In 1968, my family and I returned to Tulsa, where I became the general manager of KORUFM and Oral Roberts, radio announcer. At that time, from 1968 until March of 71, I had a daily program entitled Good Morning Brother Pilgrim. And now after 50 years, I'm resurrecting it with a new title, Good Morning Fellow Pilgrim. And a pilgrim is a person who's on a journey, and in this case, a journey of the kingdom of God on earth as Jesus prayed. So I hope you'll join me as we look into the past, the present, and the future. This is the Good Morning Fellow Pilgrim podcast with Tom Moan for January 17th, 2020. Once again, good morning, fellow pilgrims. It's such a delight to be with you. I'm going to continue now in our adventure in Romans 7 and the old nature and the old man that you and I carry around. And I had invited you the last podcast, if you get a chance to kind of get ahead of me and read the rest of Romans 7, I stopped at verse 13, and I was hoping that maybe you would read 14 through 25 which I'm going to read right now. And I'm going to read it from a couple of different versions because it's so important. I mentioned last time that one of the things that so undermines Christians is this tempter. And when he comes, he says that the temptation itself is sin, and that's a lie. But temptations do come. They came to Jesus and he did not sin, he did not yield to it, they will come to you and I. And that's what this portion is all about. And when they come, we have a way by the power of the Holy Spirit to shut the mouth of the accuser and yet still be aware that we carry around in our old nature that sinful man. And as long as he's there in our old body, we can have the accusations But accusation does not mean you've committed it or done some sort of sin. And I want to take the time, as I have in the last podcast and this one, to follow through and see the argument that Paul uses that's so beautiful and simple. You don't have to be some great theologian or someone who knows the Greek and the Hebrew and all the contexts. No, by the Holy Spirit and the love of Christ and everything that he accomplished at Calvary, there is tremendous victory so that the old nature that we carry around in these bodies until, hallelujah, one day we get a new body and that old one's gone and will never be there again to accuse us. But we have to live with the reality that there is an accuser. So I'm going to read uh, from Romans 7 from the New American Standard, And I use this one quite often because it's kind of a middle-of-the-road translation. I love the message by Eugene Peterson. I love the New Living Bible and the Life Application Bible. Uh, I love the New Passion Bible. So I love all the different versions because they each throw a little bit of light, a different angle. And I also love, time and again, the, uh, the great... New Testament, especially of the Amplified Bible. I love that Amplified Bible. Here we are, going on now from last week, verse 14, Romans 7, New American Standard. 
For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I'd like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which indwells me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not wish, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. We'll get to that eighth chapter and the answer that he says so beautifully. But I want to read a portion of this now out of the message. I think Eugene Peterson just writes it so beautifully. I'm going to pick it up in about verse 14 out of the message. I can anticipate, oh, excuse me, verse 13. I can already hear your next question. Does that mean I can't even trust what is good? That is the law? Is good just as dangerous as evil? No, again. Sin simply did what sin is so famous for doing using the good as a cover to tempt me to do what would finally destroy me. By hiding within God's good commandment, sin did far more mischief than it could ever have accomplished on its own. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself after all. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more, for I know the law, but still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. 
My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Now, I'm going to read on in the message in the eighth chapter. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-flying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code weakened as it always was by fractured human nature could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of deep healing of it. And now that the law code asked for, and now what the law code asked for, but what we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Isn't that a magnificent answer? I love the way it says it in the New American Standard. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because when people are tempted and become aware of that sin nature in them, they can get condemned and they say, Oh my goodness, is that still who I really am? The enemy is a liar, a tempter. But temptation, once again, is not sin. Because we carry around that old nature until we get our new bodies. Listen, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, in other words, we couldn't keep it, could we? That's the story of the Old Testament. That's the story of the law. That's the story of Moses and the people of God. God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned it in order that the requirements of the law might be saved. As we were talking about this before our 
recording. My son, Matt, who does our recording, just brought up a little incident that he recalled that I'd like him to just add to, if you wouldn't mind, Matt. Just a little, take just a few moments. <laughs> this is, um, uh, you're talking about C.S. Lewis, that thing? Yes. Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite pictures of how mean and petty and small the enemy is and uh, how all he can do is just pester. And, uh, <laughs> I like that. And he pesters through uh, uh, just really t- t- tiny, dinky ways. And um, in Perlandra, there's that great scene where uh, Ransom is being bothered by the unman, who has always been a picture of the, the enemy. And it's at night, and they're trying to sleep on those floating islands. And yeah. uh, all night, uh, the unman will say, you know, Ransom, Ransom. And then, you know, he'll wait as long as he can, and then he'll go, what? Nothing. You know, the response is always, no, nothing. Just a harass. It's just a harassing, uh, yeah, it's, it's always such a great picture because we we make in our head this idea that the enemy is so big and large because it feels so immediate sometimes. And he seems so present. Yeah, and but the thing is, what he's doing is only the smallest thing. Christ has done the big thing. Amen. Yeah. So, so what, is, what do we do in the midst of that when we hear that little chattering guy coming? You did this, Matthew. You I, did this, Thomas. Blah, blah, blah. I think you just have to be reminded that that's all it is. You know, that it's just it's just a small thing. It's like it's like the snake's biting at your heel when you can look up and see the healing, you know? Amen. Yeah. So. Praise God. I, thank you, man. I just appreciated your bringing that to mind. I want to close by doing what Watchman Nee used to call pray reading the scripture and what that simply means is you take the scripture and you use it as though it were prayer because scripture is for me oftentimes prayer and i'm going to read now from the the life application bible the new living translation which i've just grown to love it's also a very big book i sometimes think it's going to take two hands to lift it But I'm going to take Romans 8 and close in prayer from that New Living Translation. Father God, I come in the name of Jesus with the scripture that your Holy Spirit has provided in the 8th chapter of Romans. You tell us there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus, why then am I sometimes condemned? Ah, because of that voice that Matt just talked about and we've been reading about. And because you belong to him, to Christ, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. And Lord, we just seem to carry that around in that old man. But God has done, thank you, Father, what the law couldn't do when he sent his own son in a body like our bodies, the kind of bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Holy Spirit, come and write that on our heart so that when the tempter comes and snips away at us, in thoughts and words and deeds and things we see and hear that we'll be able to say, that's not me, that's that old man. And Christ has swallowed up 
death, and his resurrection victory. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but follow the Spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit, write these scriptures upon our hearts. Let us know that Christ has truly conquered every sin. And when the tempter comes to harass us, perhaps in a dream or again in an event, that he's a liar. He's always been a liar. And even if it sounds like the truth, it's a lie. So, Father, thank you for the scripture and for the Apostle Paul and the anointing on him for writing it down for us. These centuries later to read and rejoice and give thanks in you, Jesus, for you have conquered sin and death and Satan eternally. And we are seated at the right hand of God the Father with you right now. And we need not fear the enemy and all of his licentious ways. Thank you, Jesus, for your victory. Amen, amen, and amen. This podcast is available for free download in iTunes and at moanministriesbookstore.com. Sarah Rahm's album, Days of Rain, is available on iTunes and most streaming platforms.